When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's episode of the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. This week we are joined by Director of Sports Medicine and Research for the Players Association, Joe Rogowski. Let's do it. Yahoo Sports presents the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick, powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your host, JJ Reddick. Welcome back to the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. I'm going to be joined in a second by this week's guest, Joe Rogowski. Joe is the Director of Sports Medicine and Research for the Players Association. He's been spearheading an initiative to heart screen retired NBA players. This is an issue because we've had a string of unfortunate deaths all related to heart disease by retired NBA players. This has been ongoing now for a year. Joe started the program about a year ago, and he's visited a few cities the Players Association has also announced they're funding health coverage for retired NBA players. Anybody with more than three years of service in the NBA will get health care coverage. This is a fantastic way for the Players Association to give back to the players that came before us that helped pave the way. As anyone knows, and we obviously take it for granted as, as NBA players, but as anyone knows, health care coverage is tough. And uh, I've, I've seen my family deal with it as my parents have retired. And for us to do this for NBA players is, is just fantastic. Uh, before we get to Joe, I want to talk about a great sort of experience that I had over the weekend. The Anaheim Angels, about two months ago, invited me to throw out the first pitch for one of their games. I grew up a, a huge baseball fan. I played up until I was about 13 years old and I was a pitcher and I was I was pretty good. I'm not I'm not saying that I definitely would have gone pro, but I would have had a shot if you know what I mean. But they asked me to do it. They gave me some dates. Of course I picked this past weekend because the Boston Red Sox were in town and I wanted to go see them play. Uh but when I got to the Angel Stadium and and sort of you know was around their people, their coaching staff, a few of their players, uh, their PR staff, they were just great people. And I became an Angels fan. And, and one of the reasons I became an Angels fan is because I brought my son Knox to the game. It was his first game. He's getting ready to turn two next month. And we had bought him a Mike Trout jersey. And Mike Trout was kind enough to sign it for us. And he signed a little baseball for Knox as well. And, and Knox got the opportunity to run around the stadium and run around the field a little bit before the game. He was down in the dugout. We took some pictures in the dugout. I think the the batting coach let him uh, handle a couple of the bats. He was obsessed with the red ones. Just a really cool experience. And, and anybody who's a parent kind of understands what I'm about to say next. When you're kind and you're nice and you go out of your, your way to sort of acquiesce and, and, and uh, take care of my two-year-old son, then... I'm a fan. I, so I am a fan of the Angels. I'm a fan of Mike Trout. Speaking of Mike Trout, I knew I was going to throw out the first pitch. I had, had thrown about five warm-up pitches 
um, back in the, in the, in the cage underneath the dugout and uh, didn't want to go too crazy with the warm up pitches. Didn't want to be sore the next day. And they tell me like five minutes before they're like, yeah, yeah. Mike's going to catch you. And I was like, Oh, okay. Mike, who's Mike? Is, is that the catcher's name? I, I just figured they would send the catcher out to catch me, but no, they sent Mike, Mike Trout out. Who's the best player in baseball. And, uh, so I got a little, I got a little nervous that he was catching me. Cause I kept thinking to myself, man, if I throw it sort of too hard and it's a bad pitch, then I'm going to injure him. It'd be the worst thing ever. If he goes on the 15 day DL for a bruised shin and it's because of a, an honorary first pitch. But at the same time, I wasn't going to be one of those guys that lobbed the ball over home plate. I wasn't going to go out like that. So I made the decision to throw it hard. I went all the way to the rubber, stepped on the mound, and I threw it. And it, it definitely bounced. It definitely bounced before home plate. I'm not going to lie. And 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 it nearly took Mike out. And he was a good sport about it. He caught the ball, and he was kind enough to to laugh about it. But it was a great experience. My first time throwing a first pitch at an, at an MLB game. Uh, and, and obviously getting to have that experience with your son there and my wife and, and my wife's twin sister, we were all there together, just a really cool experience. So I'm still a Red Sox fan. Angels won the game, but I, I also would say I will root for the Anaheim angels from here on out. And I will definitely root, uh, for, and, and have in the past already, cause he's a, a great player, but I really just have a, a great amount of respect for, for Mike Trout. All right, let's get to this week's guest. We are joined now by Joe Rogowski, a good friend of mine. Joe, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, my pleasure, JJ. I'm going to read your bio a little bit here, but um, your current position is with the Players Association, and your title is Director of Sports Medicine and Research. I've known you a long time. I never thought that would be your title. <laughs> what did you think it would be? <laughs> I don't know, like strength coach. <laughs> well, I, I think it goes both ways because after your rookie year, I never thought you'd play in the NBA. So, <laughs> oh, well, touche. We'll get to that. We'll, believe me, we'll get to that. No, and then I was looking through. I was reading some articles last night uh, during your time in Houston, and your title there was director of science and research. I mean, two of the fanciest titles I've ever heard for a strength coach. I'm I'm only kidding, well, of course. You do a little bit more than that. But. It sort of happens that way when you're given uh, control over what your title should be. <laughs> oh, you wrote the title. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier that way. <laughs> now it all makes sense. Well, Joe and I were together for uh, seven years in Orlando, and then you spent uh, two years in Houston with the Rockets, working with them as mm -hmm. their director of science and research. Kind of a strength coach role as well. And now you've, you've been with the PA a little over a year now. And how's that going for you? Are you enjoying it? Uh, it's been great. Um, it's, you know, it, it was just an opportunity that, you know, presented itself. Um, it, it was a perfect situation. Um, you know, having worked in the NBA for 10 years, you sort of, you know, get a, a lay of the land and, you know, being in the trenches, you know, there's things that you always could wish you could do differently. And now sort of, this sort of gives you know me the platform to work with the players union, you know, with Michelle Roberts, who's a big, uh, advocate for player health and safety and sports medicine and Roger Mason to, you know, put me in position to, you know, help guide things possibly from the players union side to, you know, not only help, you know, the 15 guys that I was working with before, um, but now to help out all the guys in the league and not only all the current guys, but former players as well. So it's just one of those opportunities that has given me, you know, 
has been really um, beneficial professionally and personally for myself. Uh, in, I've had a few guys that have come through that have been retired now. So, you know, I can still help those guys out and, you know, current guys like yourself that, uh, you know, have gotten traded away from my team, but I still stay in contact with. So uh, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. 10 years ago when we started working together, uh, I believe your title was strength coach or something along those lines, head of strength and conditioning for the Orlando magic. And we're going to talk a little bit about your growth professionally and, and why you've been able to grow. But you, you mentioned the player safety, and, that, and that's an important element, I think, of what you're doing right now. In, in terms of player safety, what are some of the, the areas that you cover? Is it just heart health, or is it concussions? Is it, is it protocol for yeah, a, a, a lot of different injuries? Yeah, it's, a, it's a little bit of everything. And again, you know, I'm also an athletic trainer, certified athletic trainer, uh, so I, I sort of know that side. I, you know, I've worked in a PT clinic. Um, obviously, I was a strength and conditioning coach. So, you know, being able to take all three of those uh, entities and, and, you know, sort of help guide, you know, protocol and, you know, add my two cents of, you know, because there's always that what sounds good and, and what, you know, what's a great idea, but then there's a reality of, you know, our, of our sport and with the time demands and the, uh, the logistical issues of what could be really implemented. So I think that's, you know, a valuable side that, you know, I, I can help bridge that gap of, okay, yeah, no, that sounds great, but here's the reality, you know, of implementing that. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it, can, it can help guide, future, you know, future protocols. So whether it's orthopedic, you know, bringing the brightest minds together on that, um, whether it's cardiac, whether it's um, endocrinology, uh, mental health, those are all areas that, you know, I'm working with the union and guiding, you know, what direction, you know, possible directions we could go to, who are the experts in our area that we could reach out to and, and sort of uh, game planning from, from that side. And, and, it's, and it's been great because, you know, the relationships and the network that I've had previously in the NBA has really opened out a lot of doors to uh, make that transition and, and bring in those experts and make it a little bit easier. I think the first thing that strikes me about this is the relationship that uh, you have and, and the union, too, as a whole, has directly with teams and i'm wondering if there's been any sort of pushback from teams on uh working with you or has that gone fairly smoothly no you know what and that and i think that's sort of one of the benefits of having worked in the league for 10 years and you know uh, and i'm I, i've always tried to go out of my way to be you know to work with people and, and be friendly and and build up you know my network and my connections of you know other teams, athletic trainers, strength coaches, medical directors, even assistant GMs. And, and I think just, we're all in it together. Um, and everybody is on the same page as player health being the first uh, being priority, because obviously if the players aren't playing, that hurts everybody. So it's actually been, you know, a, a pretty smooth transition. You know, I could talk honestly with guys because I've known them for 10 years and they could, you know, speak honestly with me and they, you know, they trust me. And I think that that rapport um, not only, you know, with the staff, but then with the players, because, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of, a lot of them as well. A lot of them trust me just over the years um, because, you know, they, they know I have their best interests at heart. Uh, even when I was with the team, you know, I, and I, I think that's one thing that I learned very early in my career. One of the older guys in, in my area is sports medicine told me, you know, Joe, I, one of the most important things is that the players know that you have their best interests at heart and that you don't care about them just now, but what their career is going to be not only five years, 10 years, but 15, 20 years down the road. And that really stuck with me. So a lot of the things, you know, I I would work with guys on, especially, you know, as they're getting old, you know, towards the end of their career, 
you know, I would teach them things that they could do on their own after they've left the league um, so that they could stay healthy. So, you know, we, we have guys that can enjoy, you know, reap the benefits of all the years they put in and, you know, not have uh, health issues down the road. And now they, you know, they, I still stay in contact with them. So if they have any issues, um, you know, they can reach out to me. But I, I think that that was an important thing that I learned early on that sort of steered me in, in the direction that I went of, you know, you know, what's most important for the players. You know, in, in the end, they're play, you know, the players, they're people too. And, you know, once they know that you have your, their best interests at heart, they're going to do, you know, what you ask them to do and they're going to trust you and believe in you and it works out the benefit of everybody. Before we get to a couple of the uh, initiatives that the, the Players Association has started since you've been there, I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you if there's anything that you miss about working sort of on a team and, and directly in the trenches of the NBA, uh, besides, of course, seeing Chandler Parsons and his sweet head of hair every day. <laughs> no, that I don't miss. Uh, you, you do miss the, the goofiness and camaraderie uh, that you get in the locker room. Playoffs, I would say playoffs are the thing I, I miss the most. I, I think, you know, and, and you could attest, as you've been in the league long enough, the regular season games seem to drag on, and especially when you're, you know, getting in at 2 a.m., you know, in January and you got a two-week, you know, road trip. You know, I don't miss that. But it's, you know, once you get to the playoffs, it makes everything worth it uh, because that's when you see who really people are and, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, on the same page of, all right, let's get this done. So I do miss that. I miss the relationships. But, again, the nice thing is with the, the position I'm in now, I can, I'm able to keep those relationships and I actually expand them. But, yeah, it's, you do miss, you know, the jokes you hear in the locker room, the, the goofiness on the plane. That's, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand. And, you know, I, I took for granted at the time. But little things like that that, you know, make it worthwhile. I know towards the end of my time in Orlando, one of the things we talked about was sort of the difference between working with young guys and working with vets. And one of the things you said to me then was that you enjoyed working with the young guys because you got to sort of see the progress they made and you enjoyed that process along with them. A great Mm -hmm. example of that is myself. I mean, we got to work together for a long time and the strides that I made as an athlete and as a player uh, were huge and, and you were a big part of that. Do you miss that aspect of it? Yeah, and I would say, you know, the, the young guys, because you, you can make such a, a big impact. And, um, you know, I've always been fortunate, you know, the teams I've been with put me in a situation to really excel in that area. But the young guys, you could see such a great impact because a lot of these guys are so young. They're coming in very raw. And their basketball skill is very good. But if you could lay that foundation of, you know, hard work, uh, pushing it, and, and they reach limits that they never knew they could before, and, you know, I think that is so rewarding. Um, and then to see the guy go off and, and do well and then sort of be on their own, you know, whether it was UJJ or, you know, guys like Gortat or, you know, Courtney Lee or Ryan Anderson, all guys I had as rookies, you know, just to see that, Ish Smith, just to see them be successful, it, it makes you sort of like a proud daddy uh, when yeah. they get these contracts. Uh, each one more just a couple of weeks ago, you know, I was happy yeah. to see that because, you know, all these guys work hard. And it, it's, it does bring a smile to your face. I'm, I'm curious how pro player you are on this sort of question because I'm, okay. I'm very pro player. And, I, and for <laughs> the most part, I really believe like NBA players as a whole work their asses off. And I do think there's this lingering perception, not just about NBA players, but, but maybe more so than any other sport, that NBA players, because of our height, 
we're sort of genetically blessed with this talent and it's all easy to us and nothing has to ever be cultivated. Do you think that NBA players get enough credit for how hard they work, not only on their on their skills on the game, but on their bodies? I mean, you were in the league 10 years. You, you must yeah. have seen a lot of guys who really put in the time. Yeah, and, and that's such a, it's a tough question to ask because there are guys that have, I've had come through that are so exceptionally gifted that, I mean, they could just wake up, I'm going to get, you know, 20 and 20 tonight. And they don't have to do anything. They don't have to train all year. So you, you got that group. Then you have, the, you know, another subgroup, you know, of, of guys that are in that medium. And then you have, you know, uh, that have to put in the extra effort and extra work and, and that really push themselves. And, you know, I think sometimes, you know, people don't understand that your, your guys' schedule is sort of year-round, which makes it a little more difficult. And you got to be smart how you train yeah. in that regards. Because I've seen many guys – and actually, I, I've used your – one of the things you taught me, J.J., is, is I, I, I've used your protocol with my younger guys because I've seen guys that go hard so early, like June and July, and I've seen by January they just hit the wall and they're burnt out and they get <laughs> yeah. hurt. And I always took to heart. You, you told me, Joe, June, I work on my body. July, spot shots. August, I start doing movement uh, prep, uh, you know, movement shots. And then, you know, come September, you know, then I go into, like, the five-on-fives and everything that you know, comes together. And I, you know, and I always tell my young guys, I was like, all right, hey, this is this is JJ Reddick's, you know, template. It's worked for him. He's, you know, you know, very healthy guy. But don't do too much too early. Um, so, and I think you know, the public doesn't understand that. That you know, when, sometimes they see you guys, you know, in these off phases. But yeah, when it, yeah. you know, yeah. when, when you guys are going, you're going. So when I travel, I, I always use me as a sort of barometer of where you guys are at. And I know, like, some days I'll wake up. I'm like, man, I'm exhausted. We had the game that night. I'm and I can only imagine I'm exhausted. I didn't do crap last night. You guys played a game last night. Some of you played 40 minutes. Plus, you got a game tonight. So if I'm this tired, I couldn't imagine how tired you know these NBA guys are. So it's a tough uh, environment to be productive in, and you know you see guys overcome that. Um, you, you know you got to stay on them because it, it you know it is it is easy to you know you know take the the foot off the the gas, but all that I've seen, you know, for the NBA guys, they're, they're pretty good about staying on themselves, keeping the bodies healthy, and, uh, you know, surviving a, a nine-month season. I think guys have gotten smarter, probably a byproduct of, of a lot of different factors, shorter shorter contracts, you know, social media. Nobody wants to come into camp, you know, out of shape and, and have a, a fat picture posted of them at the buffet table. Um, <laughs> guys, you know, guys are more sensitive and aware to that, and I think – for the most part, yeah, guys do a good job. Yeah, up too. no, education, but I think there's a more emphasis, and that was one of the things I wanted to yeah. ask you about was, you know, the emphasis that not only teams but agents, uh, the, the sort of the inner circle of of athletes. I think that there's more of an emphasis now on sort of staying in shape year round, never letting your body get mm-hmm. out of shape. Would you agree with me on that? Absolutely. Um, from when I started in 2006 to how it is now, it's completely different and teams are investing so much in the health and safety performance sports medicine side now that in 2006 wasn't the same staffs have grown have tripled from 10 years ago uh so it's, it's definitely gone in, in that direction players are much more knowledgeable inquisitive and will ask questions and you know are talking to other players about what they're doing uh so it's, it's definitely for the better 
Um, the, the tough thing now is because there is so much out there is, you know, separating what's practical, what's real from what's just, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, glitz and glamour and, and not really <laughs> beneficial to you guys. That's one of the, the tough things. And, you know, and sometimes some of us are learning as we go because, you know, what, again, back to us, what, what might sound great, but in reality, you know, in, in our environment, it might, might not make sense. But it's definitely a, a, a trend that's, you know, on the rise. You know, it, it's been good. We've seen, you know, some of the injury rates in some areas decrease. So, you know, that's good to see. And, you know, guys are taking a much more proactive approach to their bodies and to their health. I want to circle back to your last comment. I just had two comments on that. Number one, you yep. talked about my off-season training, and it took me a couple summers to sort of figure that out. I, I can remember, mm-hmm. you know, after my rookie year, just going really hard in the month of May, trying to get ready for summer league, and summer league. And, and, and and by the time summer league over was wiped out, then the following summer I started my basketball workouts like really early that summer. I trained really hard all summer. And by the end of training camp, I was wiped out. So it took a couple summers to sort of figure that out. My second comment is mm-hmm. I've had this issue pop up time and time again in the NBA is guys like Jeremy Lin, Chandler Parsons, Patrick Beverly has done this. They come up to me and they were like, they'll be like, Joe talks about you all the time. <laughs> it's so annoying. Could you tell him to shut up? <laughs> Like, certainly there was another example of a player in Orlando. Why do I have to be the example? Well, because, well, well, and I don't only use you as an example. I use Ryan Anderson as as the bad example, though, too. So (laughs) you're the good example. Ryan's the bad example. And, you know, it's whenever we're on the track. Um, You know, that was a big one. Uh, Obviously, you were one of the better best track runners I've had. Um, you know, we would, we do that in the month of August just to get you guys striding out, get you out of the gym. And, uh, you know, we do 800s and I, I would always, you know, use your numbers and I, you know, I, I'll be honest as the years went on, your, your numbers got faster and faster to the point where I think, you know, <laughs> I you could have qualified for Rio. Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. You could be in the Olympics <laughs> right now. Uh, but I, I knew that would annoy the heck out of my players, you know, cause you know, guys don't like to hear, Oh, yeah. that was great. Well, JJ did this. Uh, so, you know, it was motivation, you know, and, and again, back to, you know, you have a guy like Ryan, I use his the other way, you know, Ryan times get slower and slower and slower <laughs> every time I tell his story. So, you know, it, it's a trade off, uh, but it was purely motivation for, for our guys. And you know, it, it worked. Because it did annoy yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we've had Ryan on the show already. Uh, he was a great guest. Nothing against Ryan. Joe and I are clearly just joking around. <laughs> the guy signed an $80 million contract a couple weeks ago. He's doing just fine for himself. <laughs> yeah, so R- Ryan is one of my close friends, so that's why I always tease him. <laughs> you did mention Ryan as another guy. Um, I don't want you to oh. seriously do not mention me, but... I really am curious. Who are some of your favorite guys that you had a chance to work with in Orlando and in Houston? Uh, uh, you know, it, you know, like a parent, they're all my favorites. You know, every guy <laughs> has their, their plus and minuses, you know, some more than others. Uh, but, you know, guys, I, I guess, you know, I, I, more, I you know, obviously you have your guys are super talented and phenomenal. Uh, but then, you know, that you're all-star caliber guys. But where you can see, you know, where you really pull for is those underdog guys that are like the second-round pick guys that really have to work their butt off. And so those, those guys I'm always happy for are the free agents that make it. So, you know, like your guys, you know, like the Etuan Moores, your, your Gortots, 
you know, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, Chandler Parsons, you know, all second round guys, Jeremy Linz, you know, you, you do, you know, are, are happy for those guys when you, when you see them successful. Um, you know, I, I loved Ish Smith. He was one of the hardest workers I've, uh, you know, I've Absolutely. ever had. And, you know, he adversity, he had every type of adversity come his way and he always, you know, just, you know, overcame that. And, and you know, he's in a great position now. So, you know, any of those guys, you, you, you really, for, you know, Gortat, who was, I, I think Marsh, you know, was uh, came over six times for summer league and got sit, getting sent back to Poland. <laughs> so the you know the summer he spent, you know, the, the year he spent with me and to able to see him actually, you know, make our team, um, then actually play his first year in the playoffs and to see where he's at right now, you know, someone like you know Gortat's, you know, always uh, one I'll be proud of. But you know, it's like I said, it's it's hard to pick, you know, a, a single guy because they're yeah. all. You, you see strides in all of them, and, and they all, you know, really push the envelope. And the single guys, I, the favorite guys. Well, you said I, just could, you. I, I couldn't say you, so uh, <laughs> not, you bring uh, up some great. You bring I, up some great guys, I though. Couldn't say you, but it did, uh, our, our relationship didn't always start off as you being my favorite. You know, let's let's be honest. You know, your rookie year, you know, could have led me to another direction with you. <laughs> I didn't work great my rookie year. On my body, I would say that. I remember being in LA one time. We went to like a hotel gym or something, and Keith Bogans was lifting, and I was like doing something, but not really doing anything, if you know what I mean. And you were you were yeah. on me oh, a little bit, and I don't know exactly how I said it, but I think I said something along the lines of, "Joe, I don't really need to lift. I just understand angles." That exactly. Well, that was at the standard. I remember it like yesterday. <laughs> that was at the standard hotel. And yes, we were in there. And I was trying to give you my motivational talk. Um, and yeah, that's when you you responded with that, to which I had no answer. <laughs> now, and, and to, in your defense, you know, my it was my rookie year too, so I didn't understand, yeah. uh, you know, young guys as well as I as I did over the years. And you know, now understanding that all, all not all. But a lot of rookies come in, they don't understand, you know, you you can tell them a million different ways. And until they actually play, you know, the season and go through a season, then they they get it. So, you know, as as the years went on, I've come to realize that, you know, I I was maybe expecting a little, you know, guys to get it too soon as as rookies when sometimes the best uh, learning is experience in itself. You know, you could it's like a kid, you can preach to them all you want, but until actually they go through it. Um, that's when they realized. And I think it was after your rookie year where you actually, you know, came to me, all right, Joe, I got to get serious this summer. Right. We're lifting, you know, but, you know, I'm getting after it because, you know, I can't go through another year like that. Because the physicality of the game is so tremendous in the NBA. And, you know, to come from college, I, I think that's the hardest thing for young guys to, to understand to go from college to NBA. You're playing with men and you're playing against guys like, you know, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, who are, just specimens and if you're going against them in the conference for i mean they're leaning on you they're beating you up it's you gotta have your body prepared so sometimes you gotta let a guy go through that and then they come to you you know rather than if you push them too hard then you'll you'll never get it back so it's it's a it's a delicate balance of of letting the guy sort of figure it out themselves but you know pushing them just enough that you learn over the years and i I think that sometimes as, as a sports medicine professional one of the more important thing is knowing how to talk to the players and yeah. timing and, and things of that sort. 
Yeah, I, going back to me because I like talking about myself. No, going back to me, I, it wasn't <laughs> you don't, actually. You don't say. <laughs> no, you're, you bring up a great point though, and and I do agree with you. For some young guys, and and for me, it was because you know I, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, but I had a little bit of an entitlement issue maybe coming out of Duke, and it took me. F- essentially falling flat on my face after my first couple years but it wasn't even after my rookie year that I came to you it was like during my second year when I still when I still wasn't playing and it was it was about halfway through the season and I just decided like look I'm on a winning team and I can't see the court like maybe it's me maybe I'm doing something wrong and I can remember coming to you towards the end of that season and just being like Joe I want to get serious about this this is holding me back from stepping on the court and, and I will say this, JJ, out of all the rookies I've had, you had it the roughest your, your rookie year because, you know, you were player of the year, so you had a bullseye on you from day one. And I was I, a I dick. Think you look back, <laughs> I, I, think you, I think if you look back at the stats, you had – if you put in defensive ISOs, you may have had the most <laughs> yeah. per minute in the NBA because every single team we played, every guy, yeah. whoever you were covering, went at you. Yeah, just because yeah. they want and they wanted to be physical with you and yeah. you just shake your head like oh man this is this is painful to watch because yeah. yeah they they just no, had I, a bullseye on you yeah. <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't ready for that there's no question there's no question this is the vertical podcast with jj reddick joe hang on for one second i want to tell my listeners about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to. And none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone and I just used it the other day to look at tickets for my Red Sox come to L.A. to play the Dodgers in August. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code JJ. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code JJ today. All right, let's get back to Joe. So we we came in together as rookies and I was sort of your guinea pig for a lot of things. And and one of the things I wanted to talk with you about was your growth as a strength coach into your role now and how that sort of happened. And I got to witness it for seven years firsthand. But one of the interesting things to me that you always did is you always looked for what's next. You always sort of challenged the status quo. You were always looking for new ways to train, whether that was uh, you know training the body or, or training sort of neurological triggers. And you really right. did look at things from sort of a scientific perspective. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that's just, you know, my, you know, I, I like to be creative. And I, I was, a, you know, I was somewhat of an athlete, you know, so I played college athletics. So, you know, I always like to challenge myself. And I, I think that benefited a lot um, because I, I know, like, in training, you know, when I was training for sports, you, you get bored doing the same thing. Um, so you, you have to be creative with athletes to, to constantly challenge them. And so I sort of took that approach, you know, with, with, you know, you guys is, 
you know, you know, what are some of the newest latest out there? But then I coupled that with, you know, my, my background in you know, sports science, my master's degree in exercise phys, um, and what would make sense for, you know, the basketball environment. So, you know, I constantly, you know, was looking to see what's out there, what the latest thing is. Um, I would demo it on myself and then I would use my, you know, some of my, my young guys, you know, and see how it worked with them. And then I, you know, uh, floated down the ranks, but you know, that was one of the great things with you is you sort of had a similar mentality. So, and, and sort of that's in a way you helped me grow because you were always, you know, on you, you were cutting edge too, and you like to try new things and see what the latest things out were out there. And I, I and honestly, that whole magic team was really good about that. Yeah. No uh, which question. was, you know, I, I, I think, you know, a lot of my success was in my early days with magic. Cause I was in a good situation with some really good guys. And they would do a lot of things for me personally that they, you know, wouldn't normally do just because I built that rapport with them and they were good guys. Um, so that really helped me grow. Um, and then me understand the game a little bit and, and understand the, the dynamic of, of our sport. Um, so that really helped me in, in, in my personal growth and, and development. And, you know, and I, I like to work hard. I, I'm inquisitive. I, you know, I like to, to understand, you know, you know, things that can, can be complex and, and, you know, I think that passion, you know, sort of has helped me, you know, lay the groundwork. So, you know, a position now with the, the union, you know, became available and, you know, it was it allows me to do, you know, all the things that I've been able to do the last nine years with, you know, the entire league. Now, I think it's a great mindset to have. It really is. I mean, it's it's one thing to sort of have a, a training regimen or, uh, you know, a routine, but just the ability to be flexible enough to tweak that and to try new things you never know what might hit what might click and and a lot of the stuff is, I, I i'll admit it like a lot of the stuff that i i learned from you and that i did with you i still incorporate into the way i train in the off season and uh sort of the way i i train during the season even like mm. my pregame activation stuff you know is is stuff that that i do that we did together Here's a big, big picture question I have for you, because there was an article earlier this year uh, in ESPN about the way NBA players are training and how, for the most part, teams have sort of gone away from lifting weights. And it's more this band resistance work. The catchphrase sort of is prehab and and guys Mm -hmm. are doing more prehab instead of lifting. Do you agree with that trend? Because I'm in, in sort of in the yeah. middle, right? I don't, I don't. It's like a pendulum, you know. I, I think, I think both have their place. I think the band work, the right. prehab, the the joint mobs, all that stuff is great. But I think at some point you, you need to load the body with resistance, real resistance, in yeah. order to really train like an athlete. You know, everything I've I, I've seen, it, everything come full circle. Um, actually, I would say now we've become more of a, a weightlifting league again uh, yeah. and pushing weights. The uh, prehab band stuff was, you know, three, four years ago where that was uh, the main focus. And a lot of teams are, are investing now uh, on the weight training. Uh, you know, I, I always felt that, you know, I, like you said, both have its place. Depending on, and a lot of it comes into play uh, is a guy's career, where they are in their career. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if it's, an, if it's a younger guy who, like yourself, needed to get strong, you, you push him a little bit more on the weight side, where if it's an older guy that is already strong and, you know, may not need to, to load the body as much, you know, like a, you know, for example, like a Dwight Howard or Vince Carter, you know, those guys are, are, are pretty strong guys already. You might work more on the prehab functional stuff. 
But, I, you know, I, I've always felt with the demands, unfortunately a lot of people don't understand the demands that go on, you know, in your bodies during the course of the game. You know, when some of you guys are, are jumping and landing, you know, that's, you know, with, with gravity, you know, with the weight coming down, that's sometimes 600 pounds of force coming down. So if your body is not prepared, you know, to meet those demands, and a lot of that's done through weightlifting, you're going to get injured. Yeah. So that's one of the things I've, I've always, you know, preached, hey, guys, li- you know, do, your prehab stuff's important, but lifting's just as important because that'll keep you from getting hurt as well, just like the prehab stuff. So I, I definitely believe both have its place. And as far as injury prevention, that's one of the most important things is being able to load the body because you are at some point during the season going to load the body in an in a, in a awkward position yeah. Yeah. with a lot of weight coming down. If, you haven't, if that's the first time you've ever done that, your chances for injury are higher. You can correct me on this, but when you're training as an athlete, there, there's really two goals and sort of two components to that. There's training sort of for an increase in performance or uh, you know an increase in endurance, whatever you want to call it. And then there's the injury prevention part. And right. how prehab, how this band work and the mobility stuff, uh, how that fits in along with weightlifting – is a really important part of sort of a player's longevity in their career. Absolutely. And it's funny, I'm, I'm, going, I'm in my 11th year this year, so this is my, I guess, my 10th summer in the NBA, and I don't know that I've done the same thing every, you know, in, in more than one <laughs> summer. Like, I've, I've, I've tweaked it. I, you know, I was at P3 earlier this summer, yep. uh, and, I, and I've been doing their program for the last six weeks, twice a week, and, and then mixing in my other stuff, sort of my prehab stuff, my training, my running, all that stuff. And the combination of everything, it's as good as I've felt in a few years. I mean, it really is. And so I'm, I really mm-hmm. am a, a firm believer in sort of mixing in. But here's the issue. During the season, and, and sometimes during the offseason too, but during the season, there's not a lot of time to do both. So if you, had to, it, it, so if you had to choose like one exercise oh, that boy. you said, all right, let's <laughs> – no, but I'm saying – one exercise. Yeah. One exercise. We're going to load the body. One exercise. What is that exercise? Um, for for a basketball sports specific basketball yeah, player, I would say some variation of of uh, some form of a squat. Yeah, um, yeah. Because that yeah. It, you know, and it all depends on the player. Because some guys have you know certain issues that they can only squat you know in this way or the, you know or another way. But some variation of a squat loaded, uh, just because that gets the lower body the demand you guys put on your lower body is tremendous during the course of the season and i've you know the guys that i've had over the years that really bought into training their legs and you look at and i always you know it's interesting my best shooters i've i've had over my 10 years whether it's you richard lewis turk uh well not that turk may be the best shooter ryan anderson (laughs) (laughs) um but you know those guys train the heck out of their legs um, yeah. And did some variation of a, of a squat, and what you see is, you know, as the game goes on, their shot stays consistent. Um, yeah. You know, it's yeah. interesting. I was talking to Kyle Corver about this. We discussed that, you know, uh, at length as well. And he's like, "Yeah, Joe. He's like, you know, it's it really helps you get over, you know, those uh, valleys that you get, you know, because now now you know you have your legs underneath. You don't see as many peaks and valleys. You're more consistent um, because you, that fatigue doesn't set in as much. And and I know like. I remember talking to you, you know, when we we're, you know, in like season five together, season six, when you were really training your legs hard, which, uh, you know, I assume you're still doing. Yeah. And you always said, you know, on a, a four and five night, 
I'd be like, JJ, how's your legs? You know, the, you know, the, the fourth game. And you say, I feel great. I have no problem, <laughs> which yeah. most guys are, you know, you know, a lot of times guys are complaining about the legs, but I knew you trained your legs to a whole nother level uh, that most guys don't get to. So I, I don't, maybe for you, you could talk about how training your legs helps you uh, improve your shooting and, you know, your consistency. <laughs> Yeah, again, it goes back to sort of the the evolution of how I trained, but it took me three years to figure that out. And it got to the point after my third year, which was my worst shooting season in the NBA, where mm-hmm. I was like, what, what am I doing that some nights my legs feel great and other nights it feels like I can't get the ball to the rim? I mean, literally, it was it was that much of a disparity. And I so that that was sort of the first summer after that third year where I really worked with you even more so on the lower body. And that's something that I've continued to do. And again, I've tweaked it here and there. I had a two-year stretch where I didn't do a lot of front squatting because I was coming off a back injury and I didn't, and I kind of wanted to protect that. So every guy is different. I'm now this summer, I I am uh, back to doing squat specific, you know, exercises, uh, deadlifts and that sort of things. Yeah. and, and again, there's so many different variations. There's the, right, one, one, yeah. You can do one-legged lunges. Yeah. I do a lunge matrix. I do yeah. all sorts of things. And there's all different ways you can load the body. But, you know, I, I, I think when people hear like an NBA player is going to lift, the, the natural tendency, of course, is to be like, all right, he's working on his beach muscles. But that's not, that's not really yeah. what the goal or the priority should be. No, absolutely. And to be successful in the league – you really have to train, you know, the whole body, but more specifically the legs, because that's such the demand on that during an 82 game season is, is so tremendous, and the loads that are placed on it, and being and your shot is so so precise that your legs have to be at 100 percent on every shot, even in the fourth quarter after you played four minutes and you're chasing someone like yourself around. Yeah. Um, that's that's why it's so imperative that you know your legs are strong and have that endurance and that strength and the stamina to keep up you're listening to the vertical podcast with jj reddick hey joe remember when we were younger recruiters were a big part of our lives and good recruiters find the right talent to make great teams my listeners want to have the best recruits for their teams at work and i'm not talking about the company basketball team i'm talking star employees If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 800,000 businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Now back to our guest, Joe Rogowski. Some of the things that you implemented when you were in Orlando in the off-season training, I've also continued to do. And and I know a lot of guys now in the league are doing these things as well. But but the track workouts, Pilates, yoga, mm-hmm. boxing, in your case, I know you took some of the Houston guys to your wife's Taekwondo class, uh, mm-hmm. weight training, conditioning training on the court, all those things are swimming. so good. Swimming, yeah, swimming are so good for cardio, uh, endurance, uh, leg strength. So all those things that, uh, you know, I've, I've continued to incorporate and, uh, 
And and you mentioned it earlier, but I, I got to repeat this. Like the training does get boring at times. And Nash, Steve Nash, also told me this a couple years ago. He's like, I I have to cross train during the off season. I yeah. have to do it, or I just go nuts. And and I think for a lot of guys, they're beginning to realize the benefits of that. Well, and not only for you guys, it gets boring for us too as a, <laughs> as a healthcare professional, strength coach. And, I, and sometimes I think I'm, I'm, I have the biggest amount of ADD, you know, when it comes to that in that regards. You know, I, there's only so much time, you know, that I could spend in the weight room or on the basketball court. That's like why when the summer comes along, I try to get our guys out of there. So that's yeah. why we're doing boxing, we're doing swimming, we're doing track because I know for myself I'm fried, and that's a huge. Part of it, too, is, you know, mentally, guys, if you're not mentally into something and it's something new, you're not going to do it as well and right. you're not going to get the benefits. So that that's one of the main reasons. And one of the main reasons I don't mind guys during the summer going off and doing their own thing as long as I know they're, you know, they're being safe about it and they're working because I know they get sick of hearing my voice. It's like, a, you know, a head basketball coach. If you had to hear, you know, a coach yell at you for 12 months, you know, it sort of loses its meaning. But, you know, if you get a three-month recharge, you know, now you're fresh again and you're willing to put the work in. So, you know, a lot of times during the summer, you know, I would sort of, if I knew the guy was, you know, good on his own, you know, and, you know, the guy's a professional, you let them go and, you know, train and do some different things because you knew when they come back in August, you know, they'd be more open to listening to you again and to, you know, pushing to the things you want to do. Got to have a fresh mind. Got to have a fresh mind. Mm -hmm. One of the things uh, that I also learned about you during our time together in Orlando was your passion for heart health. And Mm -hmm. in your new role with the PA, you've led this initiative of offering free heart screening for retired NBA players. You guys have done a few cities already. Uh, By all accounts, the turnout has been great. How has that program gone, and and what has the feedback been of the retired players that have that have participated in the program? Very successful so far. We've we've the the, the retired players are are so appreciative, and, and that that's really one of the, the most rewarding parts of it is that they're very thankful. Um, and that was you know one of the things our executive committee uh, of players, you know, being you know the, the Chris Pauls and um, uh, LeBron James and Carmelo. Um, when we had our summer meeting uh, over a year ago, that's one of the initiatives they wanted to put forth. And, you know, I, having had experience in that, you know, I, I offered, you know, that I could put this program together and they, you know, didn't flinch. They were all for putting this initiative together. Um, because, you know, the current guys understand that the, the retired guys laid the groundwork for where they're at now. And so they're, they're very receptive and appreciative to that. So that's why, you know, this was an easy thing to do from our side. And, you know, my, my master's in cardiac physiology, um, I, over the years I've worked with a lot of different cardiologists and have done research with them. So this was a perfect platform to, you know, to do a program like this. And we've done six cities, I think so far, five or six cities. Um, we've got about four more coming up th- this fall. Um, we've definitely found abnormalities that have needed to be addressed um, so that's, in a, you know, we find one abnormality, it's, it's, you know, a successful program and we found, you know, obviously more than that. So again, guys are very appreciative and, you know, you know, I, I thank the players union and, you know, Michelle and, and, and Roger, Michelle Robertson and Roger Mason for putting, you know, allowing me, you know, to do this and, and to go with this, um, you know, cause they knew this was a passion of mine 
and then the executive committee knew it was a passion of mine. So it's it's been one of the, one of the bright spots, uh, one of the many bright spots of working for the union is to be able to help implement this program and you know make it a collaborative effort to help our, our retired guys that that do need the help and and you know some direction on this. And you know it's obviously it's a baseline screening right now, but it it, it does put them in, uh, in touch with cardiologists so that you know, they could get further screening, something that, you know, sometimes, yeah. you know, and you'll find this, uh, JJ, you know, when, when you're done playing is, you know, when you're, you're sort of, I don't want to say spoiled, but you're accustomed to have everything right there for you as a player, you know, you make one phone call, someone does all the work for you to get your doctor, your endocrine, whether it's you <laughs> yeah. know, orthopedist, cardiologist, yeah. when you're retired. Um, and I was talking with this with Cherokee parks a couple of weeks ago in the Vegas hard screen. He said that was one of the hardest, uh, things he had to understand is once he was done playing, he didn't have that one phone call away guy anymore. He had to go off and, and do many things on his own. And, you know, so that's where I think something like this really helps out a lot of the retired guys, you know, give them a uh, direction of, of which direction to go into. This is something that I know you've wanted to do and wanted to implement for a while now. And, and uh, mm-hmm. obviously it was probably expedited by the, the unfortunate passing of, of several NBA players over the past few years due to heart related right. Uh, ailments, uh, including Moses Malone and Daryl Dawkins. Um, so I, I'm I'm really proud of our union right now, uh, and and proud of you, man, for getting this yeah. done. The other thing that has uh, that has happened recently, and we just announced as a union, is that we announced that we're funding uh, health coverage for retired players. Those with yeah. three plus years service, they get health coverage. I think seven plus years, you get health coverage for you and your family. And then 10 plus years, you get health coverage for you, your family, your cousins, your aunties, your dog. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 10 plus years, you're, be, you're basically covered for life. So this was a huge thing. And, and you mentioned giving back and, and sort of the awareness that current players have. Like we realize that, that our league right now financially is as good as it's ever been. And to me, this is the, the sort of the least we can do. And also the most important thing we can do in, in terms of giving back to the players that paved the way. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and doing these screenings and a lot of the players do, do you know, talk about that, the, the, the insurance doing this, you know, cardiac screening. And they are so appreciative of, you know, our current group to want to do that for them um, because, you know, very easily the players could have chosen another direction, but they, they've sacrificed, you know, for the guys that have sacrificed, you know, for them. Um, right. So it, it's great to see. It really makes me proud to be, you know, part of the uh, players' right. union to see, you know, guys, you know, reaching out to help other brothers, you know, that have, you know, like you said, paved the way. Yeah. Just so the the listeners understand, and probably a question that probably pops into your head is is sort of where this money is coming from, and it, it is coming out of sort of the union's pockets and the players' pockets, mm-hmm. uh, along with the league. The league is working with us on this, but we, we've sort of set aside, I believe it's 1% of all BRI under the current collective bargain agreement for these sorts of projects and these sorts of initiatives, and so that's where that money is coming from. Joe, before I let you leave, we got to do this week's four-on-four. I've given you a little <laughs> bit of fair warning on this week's four-on-four because <laughs> I figured you need at least a second to think about this. But this week's 4 on 4, the four players you worked with in the NBA that are best suited to play another sport professionally and which sport. Let's go one by one. I'm going to chime in. All right. Um and there there's, you know, I obviously it's easy to say what other sport they could have played, but there's actually, you know, 
actually playing that sport, you know, because you do have the mental side and the skill side. But athletically, if I were to say guys that I've worked with, I, I would say first former Vince Carter. Uh, mm. He probably could have, you know, if he was raised as an NFL quarterback, he could, probably could have played. He, uh, I would always bring out the football. He probably had one of the tightest spirals and one of the <laughs> yeah. best arms that I, I've seen. And just his athleticism and strength just naturally was off the charts. Yeah. Any, any thoughts on that? Vince is one of the greatest athletes, I think, just pure athletes that I think has played in the NBA. I was always sort of mesmerized by the length of his limbs. Um, yeah. The guy was like all legs. We would joke every year we played together. We would do this this little uh, exercise where uh, Vince and I would, would sit next to each other on a, on a bench. <laughs> by the way, Vince is like 6'6", and I'm 6'4", like legitimately two inches taller than me. But we would sit next to each other on a bench, and Vince was shorter than me sitting on a bench like my head was mm-hmm. higher than his head because his legs and his arms are so long i think his standing reach when you would measure us every oh, sort of offseason, his standing, his standing reach, reach was, was like 10 highest, inches yeah. yeah it was like 10 inches taller than mine i mean i was no fair yeah. of course the guy could shoot over me ah. well, and, and jj you, you you have a negative uh <laughs> standing <laughs> reach but <laughs> that's yeah. another story <laughs> i have t-rex arms no vince was incredible and so you you factor in and, and he could jump obviously so you factor in that well, athleticism do you, yeah. do you remember when him and Dwight used to? One of the most amazing things I've seen is those guys would sit on the baseline on their on their butt and yeah. throw it full court and make baskets on the other on the opposite end of the court, sitting on their butt. I tried to do that and I couldn't even get it to half court. Then I tried on my knees and then I tried standing up. Like <laughs> that, that was incredible alone. So I'm gonna assume I'm gonna assume Dwight is also one of the athletes you've worked yeah, with that could play another and, sport. And, what, what would that sport be, though? I would say so. You know, someone assume football, but Dwight on the track was probably one. Of the, and, and Dwight had a little bit of a track background. Uh, he could fly. Um, he ran some of the best 400 times, 200 times I've I've ever had, um, and did it effortlessly. Um, and you know, going around those corners. Uh, with that, that stride length was was pretty impressive. So I, I definitely think Dwight could have been a, a, a high-caliber track athlete. I would say Dwight could have definitely gone pro in another sport given his athleticism, but that sport, there's no way that sport could have a ball in it because I've witnessed him play <laughs> I've witnessed him play baseball. Uh, I've seen him take batting practice with the Philadelphia Phillies, and he couldn't hit a BP pitch, so they had to throw it underhand to him, and he couldn't hit that pitch either. Then he threw out the first pitch, which was not not good at all. And then I've seen him play volleyball at the DeVos family's sort of compound in Grand Rapids. Um, that wasn't pretty. That was I, there was no athleticism there. It was just I don't know what it was. So I, I think for just pure athleticism, Dwight could do it in track. I got to be honest with you though, Dwight Howard in his prime athletically versus DeAndre Jordan in his prime athletically. I'm not saying his. I'm not saying his players. I'm saying athletically. I'm taking DeAndre. Right. Really. Yeah. This the, oh, wow. the stuff I see DeAndre do. I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed. All right. Give me your give me your third hey. your third guy you've worked with that could play a professional sport. Um, I, I would say Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson is just a mighty might. Uh, they get, seen him throw football. Phenomenal. Uh, just athletically, balance-wise. He would go train with football players during the summer. Um, he could do so many different things. I, I would say Jameer Nelson easily could have either played baseball, 
could have been a running yeah. back in the in football. There was he could really have gone a bunch of different ways. He had a, I, didn't were you with him when he hit a home run? In yeah, Philadelphia? I, I was just yeah. gonna say yeah. We all took batting practice with the Phillies. Um, I had warning track power. Uh, I think Jameer hit one out, and I want to say Ryan Anderson hit one out. Was it Ryan? No, I, I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to get Ryan to listen to this whole podcast. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. All right. Who's your fourth guy? Well, if we're going to go with that, you know, if I were to say Ryan Anderson, I, I, I think Ryan, and this is sort of the out of the box, uh, figure skating. He has oh a my flair God. for right where I would be a good figure skater. If he, if he knew how to skate, he has, he has a flair, uh, for that environment. Uh, I, I could definitely see him out there, uh, you know, uh, ice dancing, uh, cause he, he has that personality. So I, I, I I'm just thinking outside the box and that on this one, that, that, that might be a, a Ryan Anderson, uh, future, uh, possible event for him. <laughs> I could see, you know what? It's funny with Ryan's legs. I could see him skating. I could definitely see him. Sk- I don't know about figure skating. I don't know that he has the <laughs> finesse for it. But I'm just maybe like maybe like a power it. skater. Yeah, in the Olympics. Yeah, I could see him. He's got really good lower body strength. <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I've had a couple of players like your uh, like uh, Chandler Parsons and Pat Garrity were phenomenal swimmers. Yeah. So they, you know those, those those might be your you know your your Olympic swimmer type guys. Yeah. Those guys were fish. So, well, as I, as I talked about on the beginning of the podcast, when I was not talking to you, I talked about the first pitch that I threw out in the Angels game this past Saturday, and uh, and so if it was if it was me, I mean, I would just say I I probably could have been a, a baseball pitcher just based on I, the throw. The, yeah, um, you didn't have the hips for football. Um, you <laughs> need more of a straight line sport like baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't oh, much yeah. of a hitter just the, it was all arm strength joe yeah, i appreciate your time no i know worries. i heard lily in the background uh, please yes. please give her and diana Terrible my love news. yeah i know man i'm going through it too but please give her and diana my love and and from everybody man we, we appreciate you giving us the time and for coming uh, on the show i appreciate jj it was a blast thank all you man. all right thanks man <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. I'd like to thank today's guest, Joe Rogowski. Remember to subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes wherever you listen to the podcast. Please tweet me at J.J. Reddick for any questions and comments you may have. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, ZipRecruiter and SeatGeek. Be sure to support them the way they support us. I'll catch you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice.